Welcome to the PC Perspective Podcast. This is episode 339 being brought to you once again by Google Hangouts because of snow and fire and GDC and various other things which have been happening over the past week and especially today. Uh, it's March 4th, 2015. We're out of Ryan Shrouts tonight, but I'm Jeremy Hellstrom. I'm Josh Walrath. I'm Alan Malbentano. I'm Scott Michaud. And I'm Ken Addison, and my video will be turned off from now on. Yeah, Aha. sure it will. That's too bad, because you're the best-looking bunch of the group. Aww. Uh, we like the young ones. I don't know if that's an easy target or a compliment. Either way. It'll be a target later. Yeah. Once once they get home. Vote for it on hashtag Josh Tech Yes. <laughs> we actually yeah. don't have... If you don't know by now, uh, we are the podcast at PC Perspective, and if you didn't know, well, then we've got a mailing list that you should really sign up for because you would have gotten an email telling you exactly when we were going to be here and, in fact, blowing away the secret that we're going to be stuck on Google+. So if you want to subscribe to that mailing list, it's really easy. It's just pcper.com slash subscribe. Throw in your email and a name and uh, maybe a credit card number if you feel like buying us something pretty. Uh, but apart from that, you're only going to hear from us when we're about to do this strange thing, which people keep watching for some reason. Uh, if you follow us on Twitter, either at PCPer or at Ryan Trout, you've probably seen a bit of what we're going to be talking about this week because it's really been a busy week with GDC, a bunch of reviews, and numerous other things which have sort of happened and tried to prevent us from putting this show on in the first place. But the first thing that we're going to talk about tonight, uh, or at least Josh will go on about for a wee little bit, is a teeny tiny little Strix GTX 750 Ti from Asus. All right, so I guess that uh, I'll be doing this review, which is a good thing since I uh, I wrote good it. Uh, you know, we've We've talked about the GTX 750 Ti. It was uh, when it was released. It was the first Maxwell-based product on the market. Even though they called it a 700 series, it was still the next generation uh, coming from NVIDIA. What really made this card interesting is that it was able to do 1080p performance without having to plug in an external power adapter or connector to it. Um, that was a really big um, by the way. I'm never going to make it in public speaking. Um, anyhow, uh, the board is very small. It uses the uh, Strix cooling, so it looks like you know the double owl eyes. Uh, the, the the double fans stay very very quiet. When this is under no load or very small load, the fans won't even turn. So it's a really 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 quiet card. Once things heat up a bit, the fans do start to turn. But never once in, in the, the hours that I used this, tested it, played with it, did I ever hear pretty much anything of a peep, which is kind of funny because it's an owl. Get it? Uh, someone answer your phone. Anyway, so yeah, the, the big push is, of course, no extra power. It's a sub-75 watt TDP card. Uh, the big problem with it is the price. I mean, it performed well, but there are other products right in its price range that are much, much faster. They do pull more power, so like the R9 270 or R9 270X. And you can get an R9 280 for on sale for not a whole lot more than one of these. So 
the issue is why pay 159 bucks for this particular card? And the answer to that is you really need to focus on what application you're using this with. If you have somebody who wants to game and they have a pre-built system that does not have a power supply that's going to be beefy enough, a power supply with without the uh, connector, <clears throat> then this is something easy to put in that machine, install drivers, and just be able to play at 1080p in the majority of, of applications out there um, and just be pretty happy with it. It's got two gigs of memory. It's slightly overclocked. Overclocking performance on this, uh, I was able to take it up to, I think, around 1475 megahertz core. Um, unfortunately, it didn't improve performance all that much. I think uh, in one of the applications, I scored like 43 frames per second. And with that massive overclock, it went to a little less than 47 frames per second. So you're not going to get a whole lot out of this just because it's got 128-bit memory bus. The memory and the cord, they do overclock, but not as much as you'd hope. And the performance is good. But again, you're looking at 159 bucks, And again, focus on where you're going to use it. Otherwise, there may be less expensive and better performing parts out there. So would you say that the um, width of the memory would be the bottleneck for that thing? You know, the, the Maxwell architecture has done a lot of really interesting things to, to lower the needs of the memory bus. Yeah. So uh, they've got the color compression. Uh, they've got a much larger L2 cache in there. And so only in situations where you're running at really high resolution or something requires a lot of texturing going back and forth in the main memory. Um, you're just not, it's, it's going to be a bottleneck, but not as big as you would expect. Right. And our question as well, um, I know this was a big issue when the Maxwell first came out about it not requiring external power because not all power supplies can support that. Um, but of course you can have the adapters. So is it common to get like desktop PCs that just doesn't have even a four Molex, just nothing? You know, if you look at some of the latest HPs and Dells that are priced in between the $400 and $700 range, that's really common. They've got pretty cruddy power supplies, maybe 250 watts max. Yeah. Uh, they've got their, their proprietary uh, ATX connectors. That, oh. uh, yeah, they, they, and maybe one or two SATA uh, hard drive Which um, they're like driving connectors. SATA power off the motherboard now, which is... Yeah. Yeah, and so it's it's a very basic setup, and it's it's they're inexpensive, they're cheap. Yep. And you don't have a lot of expansion options, so this is going to be one of the only products out there that you're going to be able to get this level of performance with without having to plug in a power cable. Nice. Generally, Take probably a pretty good thing. Yeah. Take it away, Jeremy. All right, well, next up we've got something which is significantly larger uh, than this particular graphics card. Uh, Mori put up a review of the Cooler Master Nepton 240M, uh, yet another all-in-one liquid cooler for the market, and yet another decision to try and make if you want to try and jump into this portion of the market. It's fairly aggressively priced at about $140. It's nowhere near as inexpensive as some of the 120 millimeter ones, but at the same time, it's twice as big, it's got dual silencio fans, and from what 
they show a pretty interestingly designed heat block on it. Uh, Al, I don't know if you've had a chance to play with this one at all. Perhaps. Uh-oh, he's flipping the mic down. I can't see what Ken's showing. He's showing you. Uh, or is he showing the website? Cheating. The Nepton 240 that Maury did. Yeah, no, we. I haven't used it. Oh, okay. Just a, of the of the bunch of us, you're probably one of the more experienced with the water cooling. Yeah, but I always do like the you know plumbing involved version of water cooling, where yeah. you know I'm hooking up everything. It's probably Which a bad time for me to admit now that I use stock coolers. No, actually, I've I've like I've regressed, or whatever you want to call it, or maybe upgraded if you want to consider like using a heck of a lot less time for an upgrade now, um, at least for the moment, until I like concoct another whole build of something. But for now, I'm just doing silly stuff. Just don't have it go through the back of your toilet. We saw what happens there. No, 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 I'm do not doing that. I'm not doing a whole room, nothing like that. No. Also, try not to set fire to the test beds, you know. Why don't you do a really big water tank outside buried in the yard with insulated pipes going into your house and you just use that as your your sink. What, why doesn't he just hook it into the septic tank? Uh, That'd be kind of crappy. <laughs> yeah. And, and when plus you, do, you, when you, you got, got a leak it would really there. stink. <laughs> and you got bacteria in there, it's heating up the water and the sludge. Oh yeah. But he's already told you that he doesn't do self-contained water cooling. So, yeah, but he's drinking that out of the septic tank tonight. So well, I am, I am, and tasty, I'm sure it is. Mm. But I mean, you, you definitely have to take a look at this one. Uh, unfortunately, not many of us have seen it. But uh, on the other hand, Maury's got fairly good experience with these water coolers, and from what he's saying, overall. I mean, the performance is brilliant. Uh, it's up there with the Corsair 100i. Uh, the fact that you can rotate it around is going to come in handy on a lot of cases. In some cases, there's generally only one orientation that you can install these in, maybe two if you're lucky. In this case, not so much a problem, and the Silencio fans actually did work. On the other hand, as I mentioned before, at 140, it is a wee bit pricey, especially compared to what some of the other competition does. And he also points out that with the aluminum radiator, galvanic corrosion over time could be a thing. But one thing that it definitely would fit in, or wouldn't need to be put onto, are the brand new atoms that uh, we just heard about from Intel. They are going hardcore on the mobile market. And if there's one guy around here that likes talking about cell phones, it's got to be Josh. God, I love them. The best things ever. Let me get my background and see what the hell we're talking about because I was busy pouring a beer. I know, and I could see it. <clears throat> God, right. Anyway, well, uh, you know, Intel, they're finally doing these. These are cherry trails, correct? Yep. Uh, yep. Uh, so they've got three versions, the X3, X5, and X7. I don't know why they're going with the odd numbers. We'll just do it. A couple of dual cores and a quad core that are uh, support 64-bit, uh, I believe. Do they all come with a uh, LTE? Mo well, okay, two of them come with no. 3G modems, one with an LTE. No. And uh, so the, the X7 is going to be, of course, the highest end. It's going to be in a higher-end mid-range phone as well as 
primarily tablets. So Intel is finally getting away from being a loss leader in mobile. They feel like they have achieved the foothold that they're wanting to have to be able to, to build their business upwards. So they're no longer just giving these things away. Now they're actually selling them, and it's going to be interesting to see if we actually see these parts gather more momentum than what we have seen in the past when they were just kind of throwing them out for nearly free prices. Um, I believe Cherry Trail is 14 nanometer, correct? Yeah, I, yeah, I believe so. So anyway, uh, that's going to be a big boost for them. Perhaps not as big as they were hoping because we've got Samsung coming out with the uh, latest Exynos 7000 series that's on their 14 nanometer process. Of course, Intel does have a better 14 nanometer process um, for multiple reasons, mainly because Samsung has uh, pretty much a uh, 20 nanometer metal layer set up, I believe. So they've got a product that hits a good price point. They're bundled with a decent modem for a lot of you know smaller markets, well, maybe not smaller markets, but third world countries that do not have the higher end uh, type phones that we, we typically see in the US or Canada uh, and Europe. And also they, they have a decent segmentation of parts that uh, perform fairly well. What's kind of more interesting about this is they got rid of all their power VR stuff and now they went with the, uh, the Arm Mali graphics, mm -hmm. which it's a little strange. I mean, they're uh, yeah, they're getting it from their primary competitor in the graphics market and in, in well, the mobile market. And it's, after this announcement, they subsequently divested in imagination. Didn't yeah, they? they're they're totally <laughs> out of imagination technology. So uh, this is an interesting move. Uh, it's going to be very curious to see where Intel goes and how well this is accepted. They haven't made very many friends in the mobile market, to tell the truth. But, uh, you know, it's it's a company you cannot not pay attention to. I mean, they're yeah. going to be a threat. They've got the manufacturing ability to just put out tens of millions of these chips using an advanced process technology. So it's going to be interesting to see where we go from here. And uh, one last... Go ahead, well, go ahead Scott. Years, we hey. haven't heard from you much, Scott. Yeah, one uh, last point about the uh, Intel modem is that it's LTE, but uh, the chips that use it, it's actually a uh, separate discrete unit. It's not actually on die. Yep. Uh, the 3G modem is, though, so that's kind of interesting. And they, they say they're actually, right now, um, their goal is to be behind the leader company. Uh, Qualcomm is who they named specifically in the, in the conference call, but uh, I believe it was conference call. But uh, they're hoping to be like on their heels uh, with that, and that's what Intel typically does. Is they, when they realize they're behind, they basically say, "What's our the revenue of our competitor? Here's how much research you have," and they just keep going. Eventually, going to catch up and keep going forward, right? Well, they just toss ten to hundred times the same amount of money in, and just yeah. go nuts. Yeah, but I'm kind of impressed by this. Like, I, I'm impressed by the way that they did this because it's definitely a global phone. It's got everything from GSM through Edge, through 3G, through LTE. Uh, the highest end one, because uh, we so far we only have stats, at least good stats on the X3s, also does NFC, Wi-Fi, uh, full GPS support, FM radio, which you don't necessarily see built into a chip very often, 
And it just sort of relatively impresses me because, yeah, I think we're going to see this take off in a lot of countries and continents, maybe not North America. But on the other hand, some of those, some of those markets are bigger than North America for cell phones. Crazy as it sounds, it's, it's honestly true. But unless uh, we want to go on about uh, mobile form factors anymore, let's go on to something a little bit heavier. Because this week, Sebastian put together the brand new Silverstone Ravion RV05 after bashing himself on the forehead, but that's an inside story. Uh, this one, I don't know. I, I like this one. It looks more like the original one. Uh, I don't think it's going to be quite as heavy duty as the original one was. The the, the others have just sort of not had quite the sharp. But Seb almost uh, describes it as aggressive because if you look at the case from the side, it is literally leaning forward at you. I, but it's they've gone the same sort of way with a, a tweak on the Intel BTX where all of your ports are facing directly up. So it's it's a 90 degrees from what you were used to, but at the same time, probably a good idea because heat blows up and now your GPU exhaust is blowing straight up. It, I mean, to me, it's one of the more impressive cases that I've seen in a little while that actually makes me sort of look at it and say, yeah, if this wasn't stuck hidden underneath my desk, I'd kind of be interested in having it. The design overall is wonderful. Uh, Ryan will be incredibly happy that the filter on the bottom slides out through the front. Doesn't require you to flip the case over or deal with anything like that. And you can be guaranteed that it's going to suck stuff up because it's got a uh, space for repair of 180 millimeter fans on the bottom. You so, know, I got, a bi- I got a big problem with this. There's, yeah. there's no five and a quarter inch bays. No. I'm sorry, no. Wake up, Grandpa. Just a deal breaker. Come on, sheeple. They're taking away our five and a quarter inch bays. Well, we'll be, be fair, able I... to see with no optics. To be fair, actually, I do I do use my five and a quarter bay, uh, and I did look for one when I would search for a case recently. But uh, it, I mean, so... if you didn't already have a drive, Getting a you know external USB three drive, even a Blu-ray drive these days is not expensive at all, and I, really it's a one purchase uh, thing, right? Here you go. Uh, it supports a slim ODD. Oh, I couldn't remember if the, if it was this case or not. It supports yeah. a naked drive, Josh. Yeah. So well, I feel a little bit better now. Yeah. It's a little. What about all the other things you want to put at five and a quarter? Yeah. <laughs> You have to buy for that. The only thing that I'm not quite grasping is how you would water cool with this thing. Now, Sebastian put uh, a Corsair, I believe it's an H80, uh, all-in-one, exhausting out of the top. But if you wanted to go uh, with an actual, you know, full-on water cooling system, the radiator pretty much has to go at the bottom, which to me sort of defeats the purpose of the vertical mounting of the motherboard. I don't know if, it, if perhaps if you set it to exhaust, it would be a little bit better. It definitely defeats the purpose, and you but wouldn't really have enough clearance for a radiator because if you like, look where that lightning is, you yeah, really that lightning wouldn't. is bloody close. Of course, that is a long card. Yeah, uh, and the the PSU that he used is also just 
just about at the very edge of what you can do with it. But uh, from what he saw from his testing with the uh, air cooling, and he wasn't cooling anything pansy like an Intel. He was cooling an FX8350. So, you know, you you got to move air to keep that thing cool. He was seeing really good temperatures with it. Uh, and even with that GPU stuck in there and a 290X, yeah, I, honestly, it was pretty good for cooling. He didn't really see much more than about a 16 decibels over uh, the ambient in his room for audio. So, you know, I think that this sort of does deserve the editor's choice that he's got if you're not looking at water cooling. If you're looking at water cooling, you know, there are some other ones that might be better unless you're looking for, oh, and there you go, it's 120 millimeter Corsair H75 that he used. So for your CPU, perfectly fine, but if you're planning on putting an internal radiator in, I don't know, I think you might be better served by a different type of case. And really, you can't expect one case to do everything, too, right? That's the reason why we have diversity in that. Yeah, not unless you want to pay 800 bucks for it. Well, <laughs> even then, I would be hard-pressed to find, like, a mini-ITX designer case that can fit a 240-millimeter <laughs> radiator. Even though it's, not, it's not mini-ITX, of course, but um, there, there's only so limits you have, and that's why there's cases for different people, right? Well, what happens if you're paying for a little tiny case with uh, an i7 Broadwell in it? Uh, you would be there's a nook somewhere. <laughs> you might be buying the new nook. Might be. Ah, bloody man couldn't recognize the segue if you ran him over with it. I uh, yeah. <laughs> I know I got segue. I just couldn't think of the pun to go with it. <laughs> what, what if you throw the segue off a cliff? What about that? Uh, oh, it'd take him a few seconds. Bad. Almost too soon. There's actually oh, no. a, a backstory to that. <laughs> you pushed him. No. <laughs> no <they're... laughs> yeah, I was on another podcast with a bunch of friends, and one guy was like, let's just segue us right into Cliff. I was like, oh, it's that segue guy died. <laughs> just derailed the entire podcast. <laughs> but yeah, as we quickly catch up to the uh, plummeting viewership of this show. <laughs> We've, we're, we're getting a new knock with an i7 in it. Specifically the i7-5557U. Which, I to me, I'm, I'm looking at this going, okay, this is nifty, but really in a dual-core i7 run at, uh, I think it's 3.1 base in a knock? Why do they even call it an i7? Uh, yeah, it's... Are you going for the branding to try and say this is a really high-end processor? Which because Broadwell has been a cluster in uh, rolling out SKUs, and they don't have a quad-core mobile variant. So they had to call it something. Yeah. But they have a great GPU. I risked my case. Well, you're sort of saying it's almost uh, a rebranded 5100? Almost? Yeah, so what happened was it's they bumped up the number of execution units to, to uh, from 40 to 48, uh, but then they dropped the clocks a little bit. So when you do the calculations, it's probably about like 20 gigaflops faster, which is basically the same. We're talking about rounding errors at that point. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's got a pretty good GPU for a integrated one, and although there's going to be better ones coming out with Iris Pro and so forth. 
And uh, if you look at its performance, it's right around a 460, which is obviously an old video card at this point, but was still really good at the time. If you look at the Steam survey, a lot of people still have 460s. Yeah, True. and this would be basically the same amount, although you're going to be sacrificing a little bit on the CPU side because it's a dual-core laptop part. Mm. I think we'll have to test that. Compare it head-to-head against a 460. That'll be yeah, interesting. Run in Battlefield 3 or something on it, see what happens. Yeah. 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 Then Iris Pro yeah. comes out and... <laughs> <laughs> So what do we have next? Is it, is it time to move into smartphones again? Yeah. Because, honestly, you can't take the battery out of this, and I am a little bit upset about that. No, and this isn't a smartphone story. This is a process tech story. Go, Josh. All right, MWC 2015 going on in Bar- Barcelona, <laughs> if you want to speak like a native. Uh, Samsung officially announced the Galaxy S6 and S6 Edge. If you look at this thing, you think, wow, that's a really nice uh, implementation of the iPhone 6. It's a unibody, aluminum construction glass on both sides. Because of the construction, you can't take the battery out. So that $15 uh, Samsung battery in the S3, S4, S5, not going to be there anymore that you can actually get to. Not only that, but they don't have a micro SD. So they're getting rid of the uh, 16 gig version. They're going straight to the 32 as the lowest end SKU, 64 and 128 gigs of storage. Now it's a sharp, sharp looking phone. It has a nice screen. Apparently it's got a good feel, but the really big thing. nice glass coming and going. Yeah. So when you drop that, you can crack two panes at once. Those, two pains with one stone, huh? What a pain. Those were two big advantages for uh, Android in general, or those fo- those phone lines in particular, right? Like, Absolutely. It, yeah. The S3 hmm. was the, the big one against the, uh, the iPhone 4. Yeah. And, uh, and the S5 was, like, waterproof, and this one isn't. Yeah, no. Yeah, you didn't even need that upgrade from uh, 4chan. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but the big story behind this is, of course, the processor. It's using the 14 nanometer Exynos 7000 series. A lot of the other competitors, except for like Apple and some of the new Qualcomm, are 20 nanometer. But everything else is pretty much still 28 nanometer. So they've got a big jump on performance and a bigger jump on potentially potential battery life. So this is going to be an interesting product. Samsung is going into new waters with uh, this number. Uh, People have already really not appreciated not having micro SD for a multitude of reasons. Um, Interestingly enough, the S5 was waterproof and it had USB 3.0. This one not waterproof and USB 2.0. So I guess that extra bandwidth of 3.0 just was not that big of a selling point, so they they I think went they did back. the same thing on the Note 3 to the Note 4 as well, which is interesting. Uh, I think so, yeah. Yeah, but the... Uh, the also has it. It's coming out at a very reasonable price. Yeah, it's, what, 690 to 750 depending? Yep. Without contract. And what's amazing is they are going to be offering this on April 10th. So one month and six days from now. Oh wow! I did. I didn't actually see the availability date. That's that's a lot sooner that's, than I would imagine. Oh yeah, 
I was expecting early Q3, late Q2, maybe if they were lucky, but apparently yeah. yields are a little bit better, and they're getting this product out in decent numbers that they're feeling confident of releasing it on April 10th. So less, you know, just a little bit more than a month away. We're going to see product on the street. They didn't announce where it's going to be, if it's going to be, you know, Europe first, Asia first, Korea first, in limited numbers. We don't have that information, but... Uh, or that are trying to be edgy and <laughs> and um, to save themselves because uh, this is kind of their make or break phone from what people are saying. So um, for being in this class of a product line, so it's possible that they are just going very aggressive and hoping that they can then say we sell out. I know it's a bit of a meme at this point, but that might have been. It's, it seems plausible in this case. Yeah, I think that looking at the design, looking at what they're offering, I think it's going to be very popular. I think people are going to hold it in their hands. They're going to see this really nice screen. They're going to see the edge and how that kind of wraps around, and they have little icons where the thumb's going to be. I think it's going to sell a lot of a lot of units. It, it's probably going to be their new yeah. S3. So, and it and it it's not as clunky as the S5 was. Uh, it's got better camera. Well, it's got the same uh, uh, CCD, but it's got better lens and uh, the optical image stabilization and some other goodies like that. Uh, you know, look for this eventually. I imagine Ryan's going to somehow get his hands on one and, and uh, get it reviewed. But I think it's it's going to probably be a pretty big part for him just because it looks nice. It's got a good feel yeah. to it, and it's going to have probably really good battery life to boot. Mm. Yeah. Moving along. Well, phones make you antisocial, but nowhere near as antisocial as VR headsets will probably make you. Yeah, and uh, in this case, on Mobile World Congress, they announced, uh, sorry, HEC announced that they're partnered with Valve for the uh, Vive VR headset, even though they have it labeled as Revive. I don't quite understand which branding they're going for. Um Apparently, it's Vive is the actual it's name. Part of the, it's part of the HTC Re product line, which is like okay, so one of their new HTC product lines. Okay, so HTC Re Vive, okay. It's also a funny joke because HTC is kind of dead. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they are, they are a sister company of Via, and that's... It's weird how that company, that pair of company, always seems like they don't really have any money, and yet somehow they always survive, and they always keep doing things. Even though it's not a whole lot of new things, they still always end up having stuff, and they have subsidiaries, and I don't quite understand how they keep... Basically, you look at one news press uh, press release, and then you look at another one, and you're like, how is this from the same company, right? But um, one thing that was confusing me and when I wrote this story was that... Uh, it's partnered with Valve. It's using their VR technology, but the main push of the VR technology was led by Michael Abrash, and there was that kind of uh, two hardware teams. They weren't competing with one another, but there was one kind of led by Jerry Ellsworth, and there was one kind of led by Michael Abrash, and then uh, Jerry Ellsworth and some of her team members uh, got laid off, and she was complaining about how they weren't able to like hire a basic machinist and stuff like that just to get some stuff rolling they weren't they were messing with budgets and so forth apparently so we were like oh they're gonna do with Michael Abrash and he left and went to Oculus and we're like okay so what seems happened is that Valve says we have all this research 
and we're going to give it all to Oculus, and we're going to partner with Oculus, have Michael Abrash go there, and so forth. But now they're doing it on their own without Oculus, apparently, so it seems like... It almost seems like he was poached at that point, like he was uh, given a cold call from Facebook and say, hey, do you want to... I don't know, get paid more, do more, or whatever, work with this team, whatever, let them out. And it wasn't necessarily valid that did a partnership and said, okay, you can take our employee and go. Um, which, I mean, you can tell us they're not on bad terms. It's not like that, but it just seems weird how it was like, it looked like Valve was divesting himself, and all of a sudden they have this team with seemingly no, you know, leader that they announced ever. Um, and it's partnered with HEC on that, so... It just seems weird. I'm not sure who in Valve is still running this if it's not just given to Facebook. And it looks like Alan has hot chocolate over his desk or something. <laughs> you keep calling it hot chocolate. Oh, there's poo all over my desk now. It's kind of warm chocolate, maybe body temperature. Anyway. Mm-hmm. You could say fudge Oh, I suppose we should save them from uh, everyone staring here and watching at them. Because, hey, there there was a big announcement last night. And it was maybe a little painful to watch at times, but it was kind of interesting. For about 200 bucks, you can get yourself a console which attaches directly to your computer, or to your computer, yes, to your TV. T- TV. Uh, it's I'd, The TX1 does sound interesting. Uh, what they're getting this little wee tiny chip to do is pretty neat. Uh, I mean, we've sort of gotten used to seeing the Tegra coming out, and it was perhaps not as good as we hoped when it first arrived, but it's been getting better and better. And with Maxwell... I don't know. that This Tegra seems pretty bloody impressive. Josh, did you manage to make it enough through that uh, conference to be impressed you, by at least the chip? You know, I, I had other things going on, but I am familiar with the chip. I mean, it's, it's an 8-core, so it's got the uh, four A57s, the four A53 cores running at pretty aggressive speeds, I think 1.5 and 2.1. But uh, the big part is, again, the, uh, the two SMMs attached to that, the 256 Maxwell Stream CUDA cores, whatever you want to call it, um, they're pretty beefy with what they're able to do. They, they have native implementations of Dune 3. Uh, I don't know. Can they stream Crisis 3 natively, or is that... Or, or can they run it natively? That's native run. They run it uh, native. Android. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're, running half a, they're running at half a teraflop, so it's probably not going to be as good as, you know, uh, high-end PC. But, I mean, they were able to make it run on the Xbox 360 and PS3, and this Tegra X1 is about double to three times that performance. So, And it's yeah. only pulling 12 to 15 watts. I think it's got, what, a 20-watt max power supply. Yep. It's a lot of beef for a pretty small box. It's pretty incredible. You don't ever want to say that in some places. Mixed company. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, but yeah, they got 
not only Crisis 3, but uh, Doom 3 running. Uh, it Honestly, personally, I, I don't see this. I'm... I'm not a fan of consoles, and this is tied directly into the Shield controller, which I'm sure, as it goes, is a wonderful controller. But honestly, I I can't play a first-person shooter on that. It's it, it's just not what I'm going to do. The fact that you can do it at 1080p at 60 frames a second, streaming it over the bloody web, impresses the hell out of me. I just, I'm, I'm not going to buy one, and I'm curious how well this is going to work for NVIDIA, because this is obviously game aimed at the consoles, who happen to be powered by a certain competitor of NVIDIA. So if they can undercut those console sales, sell essentially the same games or PC games, perhaps tie this in with your Steam library, I mean, I can totally see a case for selling this. And I'm sure that, that maybe you're not a lot of our viewers, but I can see a lot of people being interested in this. And for social gaming, I mean, one of the benefits of having the consoles is you can have a group of friends over to play, and you're all sort of splitting screen on the TV. In this case, you're not so much worried about splitting the screen, you're just playing from anywhere. Because one of the big tie-ins, and I, we, we are kind of glazing over this, but Grid is now gone from beta to full out, and I mean, from what they were showing, Grid has less latency than Jensen, so it's got that going for it. <laughs> but well, for Jensen on Grid, playing Grid. He, he was the one slowing that one down. Who passes on the outside? <laughs> <laughs> Apparently not his co-worker. But for something that people here do care about, we did hear about the Titan X. And the Titan X is going to be bloody impressive. Yeah. It's also probably going to be fairly good at powering your system. Uh, I mean, the one, the, well, the one thing I saw that blew blew me away is when Ryan got a snapshot of it, and it only has six and an eight pin power connector. Yep. That actually seems low, even for Maxwell, which is already just amazingly power efficient. Anyone else going to run out and buy one when these come out? Oh yeah, 12 gig cards and uh, 8 billion transistors. It's of course the, the big Maxwell chip. Uh, we don't have a whole lot of uh, information on what it's going to have, but I think it's going to have, what, double the ROPs, uh, all the other little fun things that uh, we've seen in the past with going from Kepler to Maxwell. So we're going to have... Be a, it'll be an even multiple. It won't be any of that silly, you know, one and a half L2s on the end with, you know, uneven memory bandwidth. Yeah, yeah would you like last. to quickly rant about how much memory it's going to have? Well, it's what, 6 or six or 12 gig card, right? It's yeah. 12. 12. Wait, wait, yeah. But Which only 10.5 gigs of it is useful. <laughs> oh, don't, don't start that crap. <laughs> well, I saw you go off in the comments. Uh, I don't know if it was this article or another one, but pointing out that no, the, it's the architecture that determines that. Yeah. Yeah. I believe so, what 
this is cool, but why would anyone buy the Titan X when now we know and like a 980 Ti is going to come out and no one needs double position, so it's just a waste of money essentially. And right. two of those is going to be a lot less than the Titan X, I'm sure. Yeah, like uh, two Titan Xs is probably like how much I paid for my car. Four thousand dollars. <laughs> I was there. I know that's about right. I mean, it can, it can be useful for people that actually do want to do GP GPU and stuff a- like that. Absolutely. Absolutely, but and the, the interesting, think... the interesting thing for me though is that from what the leaks have been saying a while ago about the various architectures is they're going to be going, trying to target around the um, eight gigaflop range. I know that's what the three ninety X is doing is supposed to be eight point two gigaflop or teraflops, uh, but uh, apparently the um, new GM two hundred I think it is is going to be around that range too. That is what the Titan Z did, but it did it on two different compute units. This would be basically the same, you know, computability just on a single, um, what's the word for it? On a single uh, GPU, so you wouldn't have to worry about SLI and all that sort of stuff. When you want to do, you know, send it a workload, you just send one device workload. You don't have to worry about swapping and figuring out how to make, you know, both devices be balanced because there's only one, right? So it's so, interesting how they're having the same, roughly the same uh, compute performance as the Titan Z, only in a single compute device. So is this what does this work out to respect to a 980? Is it just like one and a half? Uh, 980 is about uh, just under five teraflops, so that would be um, probably about yet yeah, one and a half. Hmm. Imagine what four times to do price. together. Uh. Four together, that would be. Uh, of course, know. four-way SLI, you know, the scaling doesn't, but come on. Like, that would be, be, be awesome to it'd see. It'd be kind of sort of like having six 980s if that was possible. Well, well when someone's saying, oh, that graphics card bill will be about six grand and you don't even blink, I don't think you care if you're gaining performance. You're just doing yeah. it for the bragging <laughs> rights. Yeah. Yep. And then again, it also depends on how the new games do it because when you start going into newer um, architectures, we'll talk about later. Um, it's up to the game developer to split load, so you're going to have some game developers, you know, load balance between graphics cards, not at all. Some of them are going to, you know, do alternate frame rendering. Some are going to do split frame rendering or checkerboard, and some of them may even do render layers or other crazy, um, other crazy ways of doing it. So it's going to be a real inter- interesting, like 18 to 24 months, isn't it? Yeah, and I think actually what's going to happen is we're going to end up having to do frame rating per game because it's going to depend not only on the architecture and the um, and the parts. It'll, it'll depend on them less, but it'll also depend on how good the game developer did. If the game developer doesn't think about you know frame pacing properly because they're like, oh, we'll just split the two the load in two ways. That's fine, right? We don't have to worry about how they're balanced then they're going to have some pretty nasty micro-stuttering. Um, unless they do split frame or VR where it's, you know, one GPU per eye or whatever they happen to do. We don't know. And that's going to depend entirely on the game developer. So it's going to be very interesting in the next two years when people finally I, figure I out... Remind, I will remind Ryan that you said that would be interesting to benchmark, Ken. I'm sure he's going to be glad to hear that. <laughs> it doesn't matter anyways. I'd be stuck doing it. <laughs> But moving on to the next one, and honestly, Ken, you've got to talk about this because you're one of the few of us that has slapped on a rift. 
Uh, do you think that uh, what Liquid VR or what AMD is talking about with the Liquid VR uh, software development kit actually makes sense? Do you, like, is this going to change your experience that you had with the uh, the first beta? I can only hope so because I really want to experience VR and hopefully these optimizations that they're talking about making actually make a difference in the end experience of where Ryan and I just kind of get sick when we wear an Oculus, which is why they've kind of sat on the shelf at the office and not really seen a whole lot of use. I don't know what you guys are talking about. It seems it seems pretty reasonable to me. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I, I don't know. I like well, they're talking about lowering the latency, and that's probably going to be the biggest thing. A little bit more accurate head tracking, but this is a non-trivial challenge uh, to bring out that phrase again. I don't know if they're going to be able to pull it out. It's maybe a lot of the work that they did with FreeSync is going to be directly applicable to this. I don't know that it will, and having never had the chance to slap one of these headsets on, I, you know, it, it's sort of hard for me to guess. But it, it's certainly a, a problem that a lot of people are trying to solve at the same time, and it'll be interesting to see whose solution kind of ends up being the one. So it's a thing, but none of us have really had a chance to play with it. I'm sure Ryan will have a lot more details next week, and we just. There's been yeah, a lot hopefully of he doesn't bring a bucket back with him. Hey, and, and maybe it'll be as successful as AMD's Bullet Physics. Oh. Oh. Well, what, it's what actually about, not that bad. It's been used a lot. HD 3D. And though Bullet Physics is used a lot in open source projects. You even see it online. Uh, they port it to JavaScript, and they use it for a lot of web demos. Oh, that's um, good. But outside of the open source community. <laughs> is it going to be as dead as Mantle, though? Well, about that. Um, so, basically, AMD finally said, one second. AMD finally said that, you know, Mantle is not going to uh, be even released in SDK form, which is kind of a shame because we kind of want to do some frame pacing and stuff, and without SDK, we can never develop <laughs> the screen capture software for that overlay. But, um, yeah, so... Since there's no SDK planned, and they're they're basically having it be their own little test round for various new features and APIs, but beyond that, it's not going to see much. It's going to be supported in a bunch of new games, so people who already have Mantle in the pipe can, you know, easily keep doing what they're doing. But what people are focusing on now is going to be DirectX and, well, DirectX 12, and the next story, which is... Vulcan. So Vulcan is what we're going to call, uh, or what Chronos calls GL Next Initiative. And uh, it comes with two, uh, well, it comes with a friend. It's a Spear V. The V being kind of a, quote, nod to Vulcan. That was the actual quote they used. And basically it's a bytecode representation, or Spear V is a bytecode representation of shader formats. So stepping back, Basically, what's happening is that Mantle was donated by AMD to uh, the Chronos Group. Chronos Group says we really need to get ahead of DirectX 12 or get catch up to DirectX 12 because we can't really have a very 
the pro- one of the main problems with OpenGL right now is that it's hard to get a lot of good performance out because there's usually like three different ways to do anything, and for any particular graphics vendor, two of them are bad, right? So, and then there's extensions that give more options, uh, which is actually good in a lot of cases, but, and then there is a bunch of parts of the, of the uh, shader code that's like on AMD, you're just not going to ever, you know, use because you know that inverse trig functions are, let's, for example, are going to be bad, but they may not be bad on another competitor, although tr- inverse trig is bad for everyone, but, um, some other ones, there's features that are like, yeah, well, no, we're never going to use it on this vendor. We're going to use this other one. And there's a lot of back and forth on it. So Spear V, uh, S-P-I-R hyphen V, is basically a way of taking the shader code, which is the part of your program that will run on the GPU, so the actual instructions that run on a GPU, and compiling it ahead of time into a bytecode format that then the that's optimized in some way. So like... If they see you're doing a, a loop, they can unroll or re-roll or do whatever they want to uh, make it run faster, in theory, and have that be the bytecode representation and have the graphics vendors just take that unified base level and make it work on their specific processors. So if you want to think of it like that, it's sort of like Java in the sense of you have a compiler that creates applets and so forth. And then on each machine, they develop the interpreter that takes that bytecode and runs it best on that machine, even though the compiler does a lot of optimization ahead of time. And then you get um, a bunch of other... Well, so once you have that representation, that's once runs on the um, GPU or whatever compute bytes, well, GPU. And then there's the other half where... It's what the CPU does to load that. And apparently, going forward, another story, that is basically Mantle. Um, That was eventually, like, AMD donated Mantle, and that was the base of Vulkan. And then each vendor had their own way of, you know, um, having their say in afterwards. So basically, AMD said, here's a blob, go, and the Kronos group said, okay, this party wants this bit changed, this party that wants this bit changed. Uh, they changed some of the prefixes from, you know, probably some mantle prefix to, like, VK prefix or something. And uh, they replaced HLSL with Spear V, and they went with it. So AMD kind of took one for the team, as we kind of thought mantle was going to be. Yeah, and it was one thing I was thinking when they first announced Mantle is that they're probably just going to donate to, you know, Chronos Group or something because maintaining an API is not a trivial task. However, if you don't maintain an API, you're going to have to maintain drivers. And we also know AMD doesn't really like doing that either. So honestly, I think the main driving force of Mantle to begin with, if you look at the people that support it, Primarily, it was AMD and Intel, although Intel came in later or tried to get in later. And if you look at who has the most trouble with drivers and what all of these features in these APIs do is try to get the features out of the driver and in the hands of game developers, it seems like a giant, you know, you handle this, I don't want to anymore. Um, So 
kind of it kind of feels a bit like that for that. And when I think about Spear V, is the interpreter that they're going to be using to ingest Spear V and uh, have it run on the GPU as shader code, as a pixel shader, vertex shader, or whatever, is going to be shared with OpenCL 2.1. So it's not even another thing to have to deal with because all the drivers are going to eventually have to support OpenCL 2.1. Some vendors may be longer than others. Hopefully it's going to be quicker. But all the parts are going to have to be there if you're going to support one or the other. The only difference is how you load it. It's it's going to be interesting, yeah. but to uh, switch to something a little more concrete, or well, I use that term lightly because they haven't launched yet, but uh, we're going to start seeing some four gigabyte uh, NVIDIA GeForce 960 cards, and let me cut you off right there and tell you it's 128 bit bus. So again, it's going to be four gigabytes to argue that that wasn't 4 gigabytes, it's just some of it was running at a different speed. This will all be, have to be running at the same speed unless they invented some sort of clock interposer that slows down memory just to screw with you. Maybe, maybe, <clears throat> just maybe, they should call this edition the Skyrim Mob 1080p edition. <laughs> <laughs> oh, how right you are. Yeah, so do you just, think, Josh? It's kind of crazy to, to add. I mean, if it's not going to cost a whole lot more, it's not a big deal. Uh, if it costs a bunch more, then why are you even going that direction when a 290 uh, 4 gig is going to be pretty close to that same price point and be able to outperform it by a significant amount? So I'm kind of curious where they're going to price this, if they're going to lower the price on the 2 gig. Uh, if it's going to be only like 10 or 15 or $20 more for the 4 gig, again, you're going to need to take a look at your usage because that's a pretty skinny bus. If you're thinking, hey, I'm going to use this card for a 4K display, <laughs> could, could, could be sorely disappointed. Yeah. So there you go. So what do you think it's going to be used for? Um, obviously, price is notwithstanding. So what do you think it's going to be used for? Why would you need why would you need four gigabytes on a card like this? And granted, I know Windows 7 on my two gigabyte card was complaining constantly and actually kicking me out of games to tell me, hey, we're running out of video memory. So I can see it'd be useful in some cases if you have five monitors. But um, <laughs> so 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 what what do you actually expect it's going to be used for in in real purpose? Who are you asking? Because I honestly <laughs> have no clue. Anyone. No. I, I gave one example. Skyrim running at lower resolution at, with all that's, your mods. That's really about it. So unoptimized games with third-party yeah. add-ons. So, yeah. like, so, so your basic idea is if you want to have um, either high-resolution texture pack mods or other types of community-driven mods where they up the texture resolution but otherwise don't have to worry too much about higher frame buffers and so forth. That would just pay Or you can, you're can. you the type of person who goes, look at all these gigs. I got four gigs. Four, yeah. not two, four. Not 3.5. Has well, there ever been one of these cards where like they have a special edition that doubles the memory that has been actually yes. used? Yes. No. Because <laughs> yes, it always seems like cards. No, old, old you can buy a four gig G, or four gig six eighty. You don't need to, but you can. Well, you can get an eight gig two ninety. 
Yeah, exactly. You or you can get a steam machine. And I laugh because, no, you, you can't actually get the steam machine, but we're, we're still talking about steam machines. And this one, I everyone's going to focus on the fact it's got a 970M, 3.2 gigabytes. Uh, seriously, look at the back of this thing. It's, it's got awesome. <laughs> one HDMI in and four out. I, I've never seen anything apart from maybe that uh, AMD, was it an 8-head? Uh, oh, you mean the Fire Pro? Oh, that little... No, that little there's a little... No, they, had a, they had the 6-heads. Yeah, sorry, it was 6-head. Yeah. They had that little tiny 6-headed thing, which was brilliant, but I don't know. This just... It's interesting because if this is going to be what you think it is, which is a, a multiplayer solution... Steam machine running Steam OS with four 1080p displays plugged into it, so each of the people playing can sit there and watch it. Well, you're going to do horrible things to that 970M. Uh, we we know it's going to have a sixth gen Intel processor. We're not quite sure what breed. Eight gigs of RAM, an M.2 SATA. So in theory. You could either do this, or you could go for the NVIDIA Surround, because it is going to support NVIDIA Surround, which is also going to eat up a fair amount of HDMI plugs. It, if these things would come out, I think they would be fun. But the question is, are they ever going to come out? You can play Skyrim on Skylake. I rest my case. <laughs> yes, you can. Uh, out of all the things that Zotac does, they don't ever really strike me as a company that announces something and doesn't release it. And this is true. It, it's usually very reasonably priced, which makes me really excited for this because there's, it's just not, not, there's nothing you would want to add to the specs of a machine this size. Maybe put a 980M in it, but like it's got Skylake, it's got all of the HDMI 2.0 you want for 4K 60 hertz, it's got 8 gigs of RAM, it's got a SSD in it, even though it's only 64 gigs. But I mean. Whatever it has a terabyte hard drive, so and it's in M.2 slots, so you could upgrade it. Yeah. Dual, Which people are complaining gigabit, about. Dual gigabit on a small form factor machine—that's crazy. It's awesome. But it's not Zotac's release schedule that I have doubts about. It's that other company's release dates. Uh, Steam OS is out. I mean, yeah, they oh, could ship it with the beta version of Steam OS and be fine. Yeah, I mean, that, that's what I was going to say, too. It's it's not waiting on Valve when, I mean, the OS is out. You can get a Steam machine. You just need to build it yourself or pay someone specifically to build it from you with custom, like, with oh, off-the-shelf parts, right? But I, I, I mean, I, I'd immediately put Windows on this thing and make it be a great computer. I don't know about having SteamOS on it because it's still the game selection with OpenGL and Linux and all that stuff, but with Windows, it'd be a great machine. And it's nice they don't have to sell it with a Windows license. They can put CMOS on it and still provide yeah. some sort of compatibility there out of the box for free. Although Windows licenses are perpetual, are a precipitating story. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah, we'll see what goes on. There. <laughs> but but speaking of uh, companies that don't necessarily release things when they maybe implied they would, the uh, company we were talking about. <laughs> yeah, if you if if you were physically nauseated by Jensen last night and the idea of this whole NVIDIA Shield thing, well, 
how about a $50 valve box? Yeah, you know, we go with that. Hmm? We've seen uh, quite a few of these. Uh, Ken and I were talking earlier. NCIX had a version that they should have <laughs> Not NCIX. Who is that again? NZXT. 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 <laughs> Sorry, too many N's and yeah. Pretty More close. <clears throat> but they had a product they showed us at CES. Ken was able to take a look at it. It was less than impressive and stellar, and we're kind of curious if the people, the people at at Valve, at Valve, <clears throat> the people at Valve, can do a better job in terms of hardware and software and lowering latency and having a better performing product. So essentially, it's a little septot box. You plug a couple of USB uh, peripherals in there, like a controller, keyboard, mouse, whatever you want, webcam. Uh, you you have the HDMI plug that goes into your TV and then Ethernet that must be attached to some kind of fast network, whether home gigabit network or a fast wireless connection, which it's debatable if there really is one. I guess there kind of is, but anyway, you're going to need to use all of the power and data transfer to get this to do 1080p at 60 hertz and do it well with low latency. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see. Well, we've been saying interesting to see because we've been talking about a lot of stuff that has not been released, <laughs> and we have not gotten into our hands, and we have not been able to actually throw it around and, and abuse it. Uh, but this looks like another of these same implementations. Ken? Well, so, I mean, CMN Home Streaming is a thing right now. You can use it. It's... it's it's a good experience, slow latency. I guess the question is whether this $50 box will be powerful enough to run what they've developed, which you would imagine. I mean, it's just going to be a probably Chinese SOC running a Linux distro and the SteamOS client on it. Like, it's There shouldn't be that much overhead for streaming video, and hopefully they can do it, because 50 bucks, I mean, you could put one of these on, like, every TV in your house if you have a couple TVs, and just just so you have it, just so if you want to play a game on that TV at some point, you can just stream it. Yeah. And also, there's also been rumors a while ago about Valve getting into uh, other media distribution as well. Uh, yeah. Not just... And and he even saw him talk about it on the, uh, was a Linux before he announced SteamOS, it was the... Uh, the Linux uh, convention that he made his... Yeah. He was talking about... Um, Gabe Newell was talking about um, wanting to have one library per family and have it be uh, unified and have it be all your music, all of your movies, and having different silos is insane. And his goal was to have media be accessible anywhere that anyone in a family would want it, Right. And he even mentioned like movies and music and TV shows, on top of video games. Yeah, really I'm not think... exactly sure. I'm excited for yet another store to sell online movies and TV shows online. But I mean, it'd be nice sort of integrated experience, I guess, if you had yeah. the whole SteamOS thing going in your house. Yep. So, do you think Valve has any real impetus behind them to do anything on time? It seems like they're just coming into the office every day. It's like, so what hobbies do you want to work on today? <laughs> I think I'm going to do this for a while, and it, then I'm going to roll my desk over here and do this. It, it, it's like the Google 30% time, but it's more like 70% at Valve. Right. Yeah, well, because it's 30% just... Valve time. 
Yeah. Okay, you can pay the 70% elsewhere. <laughs> oh, come on. All they have to Oh, our income is down a little bit. Oh, let's have another Steam sale. Boom. No problem. <laughs> Keep well, calm and add to cart. Yeah. And that's the thing with, with Valve, too, is as a company, it seems like they're very successful. What is the point of a company is to make money in a lot of cases, unfortunately. Right? They seem to be having no problems keeping the lights on. Uh, you can see occasionally they, you know, get rid of some employees and get new ones in. But they seem to keep the lights on, and that's really all they need to be functional in society. If they can do more than that, then they would be happy. But if they don't, it seems like they just don't really care. They're like, we're going to release good stuff as long as we keep the lights on. Oh, look, we're good for lights for the next several years. Let's just keep doing whatever we can, right? Yeah, because they've made no money whatsoever off. There's things like Portal, which was originally just kind of a joke. And, and they, yeah, and it's hat sales and so many hats. No. So many hats. <laughs> Yeah, they, they, you know, they have a ten percent time where they all go into a room that's just a hundred dollar bills and roll around it. <laughs> have you had your ten percent time today? No, I haven't. You get in there right now. <laughs> go roll around. It's not ten percent. Strip it's 10 down cent. and start rolling. It's ten cent time. Yeah. Well, I think we should uh, end the news on a high note, because honestly, this is probably one of the best things I have heard all week. Is you okay. want to talk about really talented people just saying, you know what, screw the income, we'll just give this to people. Unreal Engine 4, how much is that going to cost you? 5% royalty after $3,000 in the calendar quarter per game. Yep. And now that is it. And as a matter of fact, if you ever actually did pay, they're prorating whatever's left in your subscription. And they're uh, giving you thirty dollars credits in your uh, in their marketplace. So for their you know their marketplace where you can buy in-game content if you want to not make everything yourself, have some stuff that has been done by other professionals. You can go and buy traffic pylons or you know a fantasy scenario or something like that. And playing your game, they're giving you three costs. Can I buy speed tree? Speed tree is not in their marketplace. That is a separate ah. thing. Um, <laughs> You don't need to get the editor. You just need to buy the trees from SpeedTree uh, themselves if you want to then modify those trees to be slightly different, then you would need to buy the um, <laughs> the editor itself, and that's $20 a month. I think $20 a month. Uh, but that's all That's all from SpeedTree. It's not in the marketplace. Although, if they did ever add it to this marketplace and you still have that credit, <laughs> you <laughs> might be able to get Epic to flip the bill for you for one month, right? Um, or one tree or whatever you want to buy it, or three trees. Um, and really, it doesn't take many trees to make a good environment. You can really get away with, like, three or four trees if you uh, mess around with, you know, various instancing issues. Cloning. Or, but cloning it in non, like, direct ways, like change scale rotation and other crazy stuff like that. You can get away with a lot, surprisingly. Um, and it'll yeah. have physics. Yeah, and it'll have physics. Apparently and it'll have physics. Well, it has PhysX. Obviously, uh, Unreal Engine has been using PhysX as its main, um, not for projectiles or its um, character movement. That's done 
using, you know, actual high school math done in, in their own engine. But when you start having all these, like, crates flying all over the place, uh, that's all done in physics. It's been done in physics since Unreal Engine 3. And now they're sharing the source code to physics. So remember back in the old days we were talking about, uh, the old days, like eight months ago, we were talking about how GameWorks and, uh, is all closed source. And, I mean, n- nothing of GameWorks is in there besides physics and Apex, but basically you'd get the binaries from NVIDIA, you would run it, some people would get source code if you sign NDAs and so on and so forth. And if it doesn't work on NVIDIA, on AMD's hardware, then they're going to be going in, in uh, CPU mode and so forth. Well, now they're sharing the source code with all developers. And I looked in GitHub, and it's there. It's just you have to go in the master branch because they didn't backport it. But, um, yeah, at least. Well, eventually it'll trickle down. But, um, yeah, it's all there. You can just look through NVIDIA source code, and if you find something you want to do either better, if you find a bug, or if you want to do something differently, if you can take all that time to, you have a good enough team to take all that time to uh, transition it, source code is there. You can change it whatever you want. And uh, NVIDIA is even taking pull requests, well, Epic's taking pull requests and giving it to NVIDIA, so it's possible if you do find a bug, and you submit a fix for it, it could end up being in future releases of PhysXX, and you may have influenced how NVIDIA programs their physics engine for everyone. Future releases of Borderlands, you mean? Yeah. I'm pretty so, sure uh, that's the only game right now that actually uses PhysXX. Uh, no, all Unreal Engine 4 games uses PhysXX. Yeah, but how many are out right now? Well, every Unreal Engine 3 and every <laughs> Engine 4 game... I'm speaking on the market right now. No, no, they're, they're, a lot of them use, well, almost every one of them. Uh, unless they actually took it out and put their own engine in, it uses PhysX. The thing is, it doesn't use the interesting parts of PhysX. <laughs> right? Actually, I have to check Satellite Rain, because they might use it, I'm pretty sure they're Unreal Engine. Yeah, a lot of them a lot of them use PhysX as a base, but it uses the standard CPU-based one, which, you know, it's more... Hmm, I don't really want... I want to... I want to see if somebody will actually take the physics code and actually make it multi-CPU and more parallel. Because remember, a couple of years back, people were complaining about it only uses one CPU thread. And uh, they came out and was like, hey, if you want to try it, we'll give you a hand. I, I'm curious if anyone can take up that gauntlet. Someone can if they get the license to Unreal Engine 4, basically create an account at Epic and pay no money until you release something that's, you know, royalty-based. Um, you can just go there and try your hand at it, and if you succeed, send a pull request, and maybe they'll introduce it. Cool. Yep. Well, I, I think that we have finally hit the end of the news for this week, and believe me, it has been a bit of a wheezy, busy week for Ryan. The rest of us have just been sort of sitting around and laughing at him because some of us are snowed in. Some of us are dealing with chemical fires and some of us just really have other things to deal with in our lives, which are also wonderful and enjoyable. So honestly, it hasn't been that long. It's you know only been about an hour and 20 minutes or so. And yep. we usually clock in significantly longer than that. But yep. that is it. It is time for picks of the week, or at least in my case, the the 
the only thing I could really pull out of this week as a pick. Uh, SteamOS. There are a bunch of sales this week which do sort of imply that, you know, maybe we're going to start seeing, if not the end of the beta, a little bit of a push towards an official release. And if you look at the list of games, uh, it's definitely rivaling uh, what you saw in Jensen's stream for S.H.I.E.L.D. There's a lot of stuff that's coming out that's pretty interesting, and if you log in, it'll actually tell you that you already have it in your library. So when you buy it, you get the SteamOS version and also the Windows version at the same time. This is not bad, and come on, Goat Simulator for $3.73? You can't go wrong. Buy it again. Not bad. <laughs> Josh, save us. Me. Uh, there's this thing called Observium. We've been using it at our local network. It goes and thing checks things out, and and you you connect it to log files on different servers, and it gives you these wonderful graphs and things that you can do on your network. And then and so say you've got a network with uh, you know three locations, nine to twelve servers. In just this quick way of checking it out, you can see uh, who's CPU bound, uh, who's I/O bound, what, what's happening here. Is it up? Is it down? It's a really nice free open source control panel that you can quickly take a look at all of your Is it assets. AC? Is it DC? It goes both ways. Sure. Mm-hmm. Thunderboard. Na 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 na. Anyway. Uh, so yeah, Observium, look it up if you have a network that you would like to have a little better view of. Battery's not required. Alan, are you still awake? I am. This is the quietest podcast he's been since he moved to Cincinnati, I think. Maybe, yeah. There were, there were no storage releases this year, this week. Uh, well, nothing, yeah, nothing big, nothing that's up yet. Uh, I got a couple things cooking, but uh, so uh, I ordered one of these to test some of the stuff that we happen to have in. By the way, um, we didn't have any uh, anything to interpose or convert or whatever you want to call it uh, between M.2 SATA and regular SATA. So we had, you know, we had PCI Express boards, but those are for PCIe M.2, not like the other kind of M.2, because you can have SATA over M.2, believe it or not. Um, so we had to pick up one of these guys uh, so that we could plug in our M.2 SATA products that we were testing and have it work. So what that, what that brings me to is it might be handy if you don't have even a M, or, uh, an M SATA converter handy and you happen to be one of those people that does a lot of cloning of other people's drives or laptops or whatnot, it might be worth, you know, adding this to your little goodie bag next to your USB 3 to uh, SATA converter cable that you may or may not also have. So if you're the kind of person that has one of those cables, chances are you'd want one of these things too. Um, There were some cheaper ones, but they didn't seem like they would work without breaking. So this one's like 20 bucks, but it's not bad, you know, and I can confirm it does work. It's in use. It's connected to the storage test bed right now. So 
you know, pretty simple no furls converter. Nice. But it sure beats soldering. So, <laughs> you know. Okay, and my pick... Okay, since we're going to end the show on a high note, my pick is buying computer parts at the absolute worst time ever. So there's this time in every product cycle where you're going to get new parts coming out and you know they're going to come out, but the old parts don't go on sale yet. No, they're still full price. And as a matter of fact, if you're Canadian, there's also times when the Canadian dollar drops and the U.S. dollar rises, and that tends to be right when your computers explode. So when I had a broken computer, obviously I can't you know, do my work without that. I was on my laptop with stuff, and it was a you know, six-year-old laptop. So I bought you know, a Devil's Canyon... Uh, Core i7-4790K, knowing very much that it was going to be obsolete. And here at GDC, dem- uh, Intel decided to demo socketed Broadwell CPUs with uh, Iris Pro graphics. So we're going to have Broadwell coming to the desktop at some point in the second half of the year. And it's going to have a really good graphics card, which would be good if someone was you know, trying to program in OpenCL or something, like maybe I was trying ah, to do. Who would do that? Yeah, who would want to do that? Um, and and so forth. So it would be a really good product for people to have if their computers didn't blow for months too early. Yep, we should. You and should this is how we're gonna wait. <laughs> But you should always wait until you know you, you know that there's going to be future proofing on your uh, CPU and GPU and motherboard and so every other part of the computer. Correct. You should never buy them because next release is going to be the future-proof one. Got it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and if you were going to buy like an R9 290X, you should have done it three weeks ago when the prices were 280 bucks instead of going up another 75 to 100 bucks yep. this week. Oh, don't worry. They'll be back down soon. We can uh, actually help. don't don't. Wor- don't worry, though. Uh, I'm running a GeForce 670, which is getting a little bit long in the tooth when you're starting to develop stuff in like Unreal Engine 4 and stuff like that, but it, it, it works good and does all sorts of stuff. And it's rock solid. It's the one thing I'd like to replace in this computer, and it's rock solid. <laughs> it won't die. It was the only thing besides the power supply that didn't go, and it won't die. That's got to be the, one of the worst things. i got to justify the upgrade, but this thing just won't. Die. And then you have your, you know, Ivy Bridge 3770 running just fine, and right, and it's like, well, I really want an update, of course. And it's like, oh, well, I could go to, you know, I could go to uh, Haswell Lee. That might be just, uh, I don't have the money for that. You, so, you mean like, uh, you mean like an i7 You mean like an i7 920 to have them? On an X58 motherboard that refused to die. Yeah, the funny, th- the funny oh, thing that, is that's that- what I'm on right now. <laughs> I'm gonna come over to Alan's house and make his system. Yeah. The funny thing is, I had 920. I had 920 before that, and sure enough, guess what motherboard blew just before Haswell released. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So my Ivy Bridge was a oh crap! I have something in mid January and I need to to uh, replace it because otherwise I can't do any work. Are you conditioning that power? I have a actual uninterruptible power supply. Mm, yeah. Okay. So it's not running on APC UPS. It's not uh, the best one out there. It's. But, uh, is, it, but is it a smart UPS? Does it it's, weigh more than you do? No, no, no. It's, it's not. It's not a high, high, high end one. Um, is it bigger than a bread box? <laughs> <laughs> it's actually about the same size as the bread box, um, and it's heavy. It's got like a car battery. Spread. And actually, the funny thing is, it's been using the original battery for like the last seven, eight years, and 
still works fine. You can pull the plug out. Works great. And it's uh, uh, one so of the, the sensors gone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's one of those. Um, Oh, what was it called? A line and relieve one, where it's it's not the there's like three tiers of power supply. One is like you know, switch. One is uh, the top ones where it's uh, always running off the battery that's always being charged at the same time, like the double inverter one. There's that middle one. It's one of those. So it's it's not that bad for conditioning. Uh, it it does use a step sine wave though, so not the best. But hey, Corsair power supply should you know have no problem with that. God, those Speaking of things like... that won't die, this podcast might just have to finally die. Aww. Unless you cool. want to keep going. No. No. We can have a minute of silence? We no. will in just a minute. Because <laughs> there is still the wrap-up to do. Uh, I mean, if you've managed to live through this, you've probably already subscribed. But if you haven't, head to pcper.com slash subscribe. If you like Deja Vu or just want to submit this yourself to this again, you can find this at pcper.com slash podcast for perpetuity and probably on the front page of PC Perspective around about 3 or 4 o'clock uh, Eastern time. So with that, I am Jeremy Hellstrom. I'm Josh Walrath. I'm Alan Malentano. I'm Scott Michaud. And, and for I'm PC done. Perspective... Oh. Come on! Oh, you can his due! Oh. No, I'm cutting him off. It's fine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs>